0: We need to, in the parables, ask two questions. What does this teach me about the morality of God that now impacts my morality? And what does this teach me about the nature of God that should impact my nature? The first and greatest teaching in this in this parable is about the nature of God.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you learn and grow in your faith. Your journey of faith is so important and you are constantly either growing or shrinking in your faith each and every day, but we want to be part of your growth track. We want you to be thriving, not just surviving in your faith in this modern day. And part of that is knowing what you believe and why you believe it and being challenged to critically think for yourself, because that is how you're really going to discover who you are in Christ. My name is Jesse Mayer. I'll be your host, but we cannot do this without a salty pastor. And we have one of my favorites, Pastor Harvey Friesen, with back us today. House, back Back in the, back in the, house. the hot house. It's man, only 168 and...
0: degrees in Boise today. I uh, know.
1: It's hot, hot, hot. And I got to say, you were on fire on stage on Sunday as well. You were just really bringing some heat as far as just like really yeah. connecting with people, I think. I think I heard a lot of people going, oh my gosh, he's just really touching on something I didn't have words for with these stages of okay. uh, uh, seasons that you're going through. Do yeah, you well, talk a little people bit more? go
0: through seasons in our lives, and 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 I think people recognize that. That's where it's so hard to kind of get together with the concept of. Uh, I mean, pushed on all these things that are in a seconds, you know, that need to be done in seconds, and yet it feels like there's a season going on in my life. I think I think the world's going through a season right now. I, I mm. don't know. I, I was alive in the 60s as a little one, but I, I don't know what the 60s felt like as a an adult or someone paying attention. And so, you know, it feels like, you know, the world's going through another season, right? And there are seasons, and I think people go through dry seasons, grinding seasons, chests and turmoil seasons. People go through those kinds of seasons, the happy seasons people will uh, go through spiritual warfare season people go through the waiting season these are hard parts of life they are the difficult things and they usually out where we really are and I think that's where we as disciples really need to embrace there are different periods in our lives and we need to not run from them we need to somehow embrace them but the most important part of it is I don't embrace a test and trial season I embrace God in my trust and trials, mm, There's a very yes, distinctive yes. difference because a lot of times if we embrace the test and trials, we actually begin to embrace hardship in our life rather than God in our life. The goal in everything we're doing is to bring us to God. I mean, we, we talk about it. Pastor Doug talks about it all the time is the goal here is to what help you walk with God Walk with God through whatever season you're in. Sometimes the wind is at your back. Sometimes it's stiff in your face. Sometimes things are going your way. Sometimes they're not going their way. So parables have a great way of being able to touch us. And I think this is an important part of the parables. Jesus used the government official last week, the judge, you know, that that was the unjust judge, uh, to do what? To talk about somebody that everybody could identify. Everybody could identify with somebody who's in a position of power who treats us unjustly. And so that was the parable of last week. This week we're in the parable of the shrewd manager. Again, we're now in another thing that most people can identify with. And that is you have a boss, an owner, a manager, or, or, or sorry, yeah, the boss or the owner or the leader who comes back and talks to the manager Mm. and says, Hey, I heard you have been stealing from us, or you've been cheating us, or you've been doing something like this. And, and the manager, uh, it says the rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So the rich man, presumably in this position, we believe he's the owner, right? The guy in the equity position comes back and says, um, Hey, you have been accused of wasting his possessions. And this is a very interesting thing. We make the assumptive close. That he actually had been but notice the text says he was accused of and he's still going to lose his job right and the accusation must have been a pretty, pretty strong but there's a very interesting part about this parable and and jesse this one's a little bit different than the other ones most of the time Jesus is giving these parables when the, when the Pharisees or the scribes are trying to put him in a gotcha moment. This is one where it starts out with, and it it says, Jesus told his disciples. So he's actually talking with his disciples here. So it's a a little bit of a different tone. It's not a gotcha moment.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think a a lot of those times we do see that, right? It's like, it's almost always these parables are coming up when someone outside of his inner circle asks him a question or is trying to catch him in a, in a way where they can use it against him to, to, to put him up as a false yeah. teacher or whatever, right? Yeah, they wanted
0: to kill the guy. I mean, and, the goal was to kill the guy.
1: And so this is an interesting part where... Basically it's just him and the disciples, as far as we can tell, just hanging out and he's like, Hey, let me tell you a story.
0: Yeah, exactly. And this is kind of like, you know, families at home where you have your own little story that you share in your family, right? you might talk a little bit differently, have a little bit of a different conversational tone. So that's what he's doing. But, uh, let me walk you through sort of the big picture. Cause today's Tuesday, right? It's a hundred and whatever, or I don't know if it's a hundred and whatever. <laughs> it's very portion. warm outside. It is a hot one. Thank God. But you know what? I don't, don't, don't wish this away. I mean winter's coming. So be happy here. Uh, but there's a few things that bounce around. Let's read it. Jesus told his disciples, we're in Luke chapter 16. If you want to follow along, I'm in the NIV new, new international version, not the new interesting version. <laughs> and it says, he's first one told his disciples. There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this? I hear about you. Give an account of your management because you cannot be a manager any longer. Now he, some very interesting pieces that go along with this as Christians, we should think of the word manager and we should come to mind the concept of steward stewards are people that, that watch over someone else's possessions while they're away. We know f- from the scriptures that God owns everything. So it's not that it's not our bank account. It's not our car. It's not our stuff. As Christians, we know that God owns everything, owns everything in the world, gives us all the breath we breathe, all the lung capacity, all the life. Um uh, But this guy comes back and he says, your stewardship, you you have to give an account of that, which, again, is a part of the kingdom of God. Revelation chapter 19 and 20, there's going to be a time where we're all accountable before God for our actions. Uh, And he says, you cannot be a manager any longer. And the manager said to himself, what shall I do now? It's the manager, right? Having a conversation. He's just been called on the carpet by the owner the rich owner and he's saying to himself what do i do now my master's taking away my job i'm not strong enough to dig and i'm ashamed to beg and this is a very interesting thing the moment our lives are put under account the first thing we do is an assessment of our skills mm. okay and he assesses his skills. And he goes he says, i can't, I can't dig. dig and i don't want to beg <laughs> basically what he said was i have the soft skills i don't have the hard skills right and he said i've got too much pride i'm not gonna go beg for anything uh, and we, we should overlay one little piece of this culturally speaking for a moment. Okay. This is a time when masters would also could imply the notion of not only a, 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 the owner of the business, but there are people, you know, there are millions and millions of slaves still in the world today. Okay. And he could have been a slave. He could have been a bond servant, someone who willfully gives away their rights and says, I am just connecting to this person, but we need to understand that there was no labor law involved in this. Okay. Right. So, um, so he says, what do I do now? I'm, I can't dig. I can't beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. Now notice this. He takes a vocational problem and realizes it as a relational situation. Okay. So now Jesus is giving this to his disciples. And remember, we, we everybody thinks of the disciples as those old guys in the pictures and all those Catholic churches and in mm-hmm. the Vatican and all, you know, on YouTube and wherever they, they, I mean, John himself was a teenager, could have been 14, 15 at this time, right? These guys are young. They're below 30. We know that they're right. below 30, probably in their late teens, early 20s. So he's, so he's talking to some youngsters here. He's, he's giving a story uh, and he says to himself, oh, what do I do here? Uh, so that people will welcome me into the houses. When I first came to Foothills and, and part of what I do is is mentor people on the staff. And one of the things I did was one of my meetings with Steve Botsford, our family pastor. I had uh, I had them both. We, he bought a copy. I bought a copy of Dale Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And I, what I said was, is that you have to understand we are pastors in the people world. This is a people thing. We think it's a teaching thing. We think it's a organized church thing. We think it's a take the students on a camp or to an outing order. No, th- this is a people thing. Okay? And so we're in a people thing. And Jesus is teaching his disciples, apostles, to be understanding that they are in the people business, all right? And so there's really only going to be one big teaching in the parable. It's coming up. So he called in... So what did the guy do in verse 5? The shrewd manager, he called in each of his master's debtors, okay? So this would have been a normal set of accounts. And there's very interesting, there's a little slight thing, and if having been in business, you start to recognize a little bit of the nuance here. uh, And it says, he asked the first, how much do you owe my master? Now, we weren't there, and we don't know, but I, I... I think that part of the gig going on here is the guy didn't really know what the accounts were. <laughs> so you think that out
1: for a second. So so it further enforces the fact that he was a bad manager. Oh uh, yeah,
0: he was. He didn't actually know what how they much asked. do you owe us? <laughs> that's the wrong line when you're starting into a collection scenario. Well, I, I, I don't even remember what do you owe. Like two dollars. Yeah, Pretty sure that's where I was at. So yeah, <laughs> right. The guy names a number. Right. right we don't have the benefit of the books we don't have i mean maybe he didn't have any books right, right. Maybe it was all in his head maybe scratched in the dirt who knows but the, this is it's just an, an interesting thing and he says 900 gallons of olive oil the guy replied the manager told him take your bill sit down quickly make it 450. so he immediately says to him look we'll cut you half and anybody in business knows okay it's called factoring is that you can sell your accounts receivable to a company that will go out and collect those now and they'll do it but they're only going to pay you about 95 cents on the dollar maybe 93 90 whatever maybe even 85 whatever it just depends on what the negotiated rate is so the notion of sound th- this is accounts receivable so what the guy did was is that somewhere in this story i think that the guy the, the owner of the business realized i got bad debt here how do i collect anything or, or sorry the owner didn't do that the manager, manager. did because he realized that the owner probably said, and again, we're throwing stuff into the story here, but let's use common sense and let's use a little bit of business acumen, is that now I got all this bad debt and you don't even know how much these people owe me. So like, I thought, you know what, I'm going to do the relational thing. I've been square with this guy. I'm going to go talk to him. Hey, how much, How I, I? you don't even have that in front of me. Maybe he said, I don't even have it in front of me. Do you remember how much you owe And the guy goes, yeah, 900 gallons of oil. Usually when we owe a debt, we know exactly how much it is. Mm. Okay, that's an important point here. Okay, the manager said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly, make it 450. Then he asked us, and of course the guy got happy, right? He's thinking, I got a 50% off deal, right? Then he asked the second, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat. So these guys are obviously were in agriculture. And he said to him, take your bill and make it 800 so this So this is very interesting. And this is a very interesting thing because it goes to the heart of the teaching. The first guy got a 50% deal. The second guy got a 20% deal. Why is that? Well, well, that's not fair and that's not cool. No, it was shrewd because my guess is, is that the manager, even though he'd lost control of the books, didn't know who owed what looked at it and said, this guy could pay 80%. This guy could probably pay 50%, right? Mm. Because he wanted to collect debt. And here's the other thing. Any business owner knows. Two words that are important in every business, and hey, by the way, if you're a family or you're an individual, single person doesn't doesn't even matter any other relationship status. Every person is in business, and everybody knows two words that are really important in life: cash flow. <laughs> okay, cash flow. Yep. So what he did was, is that the shrewdness? There's a couple things that are very, very important in the shrewdness. Number one is that he figures out how to get cash into the owner's pocket. Owners always like cash. Yes. He figures out how to give the guy a deal on what he owes. So all of a sudden he got a 50% off deal. And the other guy got a 20% off deal. Remember the parable a few weeks ago where the guy started working at eight 30 or six in the morning, eight 30 in the morning, and then all the different ones all the way up until a half hour before close date. Again, this, these are pictures where God is kind of pointing another secondary thing and that is life is not fair, but this guy was shrewd. And in his shrewdness, he said, this guy will give me 80%. This guy will take 50% and they'll both, my guess be happy. They'll be happy. So let's read the story a little bit more. It says, take your bill. Now verse eight says the master commended the dishonest manager because he acted shrewdly. Now there's a couple things that are important in this. One is the guy was dishonest. Okay. It says in the text, he was dishonest. Um, two in this though, in his dishonesty, he knew he could probably placate the anger of the master or the owner or the rich guy by getting him cash. So so, all right. That's the story. Now I, I, I want this is the part that all Christians go wait what a man I you know and we don't ever think this through. Let's think it through together. We got the time. The the second half of verse eight. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than the people of the light. These are Jesus words. This is red letter stuff. I mean I'm opened up to it in my Bible. This is all red letter stuff. This is Jesus saying he looks at his people. He's looking at you, and he says, people in the world are more shrewd than you are. Mm. And, and, okay, so what what is he saying? I tell you, use worldly wealth. Now, he gives the point. Use worldly wealth. Use possessions. Use money. Use resources to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Now, there's two slight pieces to this. Piece number one, I think he's saying being shrewd on the horizontal level. Notice how he switches. All of a sudden it goes from a story of a master and a rich owner and the collecting of debts all of a sudden into eternal dwellings. Jesus attaches the eternal to the here and now. And that's also important when we talk about shrewdness is, is that our greater goal, I think that our greater goal in business and in life and with our neighbors, with our family, with our friends, everybody is, is that he, he does something very important. He makes every horizontal relationship connect to the vertical. He makes everything. He's like, now way you treat people here. Remember that the greatest goal is that they would be in heaven for eternity with God. Mm. Our witness comes into play here. The way we treat people comes into play here. The way we deal with people comes into play here. And look, let's just be straight up. We know that there are a lot of times that things happen that we only get a little bit of the story and we jump to conclusions about this. Jesus opens this picture up and he looks at it and he says, be shrewd in the way that you deal with people. And a lot of times, the easiest thing to do is, is, is to evaluate or judge the way that a situation happened when you don't have all the facts and you don't know all the circumstances. In this scenario, Jesus tells the story. He knew all the facts in the scenario, and I love that he changed from an eighty percent, fifty percent discount to an eighty percent discount, and he commended the guy. Now the guy still lost his job, but let's look at a couple things. I again, I said this last Sunday. We need to, in the parables, ask two questions: What does this teach me about the morality of God? that now impacts my morality and what does this teach me about the nature of God that should impact my nature the first and greatest teaching in this in this parable is about the nature of God the nature of God is God is shrewd if you remember the parable of the talents the guy was given one talent and what does he say when he comes back in this in this in the scenario the guy who only got one he says i knew you to be shrewd so i went and dug in and dug a hole and put it in He's saying God was shrewd, so so in that other parable we can lean that loan that into this one. We know that God is shrewd, and God expects us to be shrewd. And what we've done is, you know, words morph. Shrewd doesn't mean immoral. Shrewd means clever. It's how do we how how do we create a clever outcome? Our world kind of rewards it. Just I mean, we use the phrase win win. Right? He created a win win. This guy created a win win. The the owner got cash. Because in the owner's mind, anybody who's out there as an owner of business, you know this. If you've got somebody working for you and somebody owes you money, and it's a substantial amount. I mean, I got to tell you, I mean, 900 gallons of olive oil.
1: That's not nothing.
0: A lot of wealth in that day. Mm. Okay, Money was measured in in olive oil. Remember the lady who was commanded to go get all the pots and then God would keep filling them while She found eight, I think, of what it was. And that was a load of amount. 900 gallons? We're talking about a huge account here, right? One, one thing that should be noted here, let's don't make this God and the rich owner and all like that. Let's just make this an, an owner. I think one other part of this parable is the owner probably was on vacation and he should have known how much was owed to him too. Mm. Okay, so let's just be reminded that the guy that got away with it probably had that. And there's a there's a very important uh, moral to this story, I think a leadership lesson to be to be learned here, and that is this, is that the people, when there is a failure of an employee... It usually speaks to the greater organization as well, because part of the organization's responsibility is to know the status of everything as well. Right. Right. And in that scenario, that's where accountability comes in. Well, this guy, he knew that. And so that's why the owner was like, are you kidding me? I'll take 450 gallons. That's still a lot of money. I'll still take 80% of the, bushels the, the, the thousand bushels i'll still take 800 bushels of wheat at four dollars a bushel which is probably what it is five four five six something like that right now i mean you're talking about four thousand dollars in today's economy right there's a lot of money the shrewd guy went out and got the owner something for his benefit if you go to the parable of the talents that was, again, the problem that that, 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 that that Jesus had in that parable with the guy that hit it in the ground. He said, at least you could have put it in the bank. I would have gotten interest for it. God expects a return on his stuff. That's mm-hmm. another underlying piece to this shrewd parable that goes along with it. Um, so I, but, and, and there's something that happens. It's a parable that's a little bit different than all the parables we've been looking at about the kingdom of God for the year. If you go to verse 10... It says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with, with very little will be dishonest with much. The one there, now, so Jesus starts to give his own teachings. If you remember in this, a lot of times he would teach the parables and he would never, ever share the, the meaning of it until he was quiet with his own disciples. Okay, This is one of those moments where it's the, the teaching and he gives the, he, he gives the answer. So this is a big answer. So, so what's the moral? What we do with little and what we do with lots is generally the same thing. And that's why what happens is is in a work world with kids, with people that we trust are building trust relationships with, we start out with a little and then we build it all up to more, right? The danger is, is that we think, well, we land this massive account or whatever. Well, we, maybe don't have the experience, the ability, the acumen, the shrewdness to manage that account. A lot of times we want God to do great big things to us. And he goes, ah, I tell you what, what, why don't you start out by just, uh, serving in the church? Why don't you just serve? Why don't you do a service thing that nobody ever knows and you ever get a pat on the back for, Mm. why don't you start with those small things? When I first started ministry, somebody gave me a book and it was wonderful. His name is Kevin Wilson and he handed me this book. And it was entitled, First You Must Roll a Little Boat. Is One of the most wonderful things. I read it every couple of years or so. It's a beautiful book. It's out there. You can get it on Amazon today. But it talks about the progression of how he learned to row a small boat and how he learned lots of life's lessons in that. Jesus is saying, start with small, it will prepare you for the greater. Mm. Okay. Very important. There's a there's also a proverb in the in the text in scripture that says this is that there are a few miseries the world cannot withstand. And one of those miseries is when a slave becomes the prince or when a slave becomes a king. Why? Because there's that process of a learning gap and a knowledge base that happens when you just start to build up all that stuff. So Jesus says that in verse 10, verse 11. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who can trust you with true riches? God now delineates a distinctive difference. He says the the way you use money, secondary teaching, the way you use money tells you also a lot about how you believe in God. We talk a lot about here is that God is a God of generosity, not a God of lack. God is a God of accountability, not a God, not, not a God of loosey goosey. And so in that process, we handle and work on those things very tightly because we care about them. And it's because of this principle, but it's because money represents what we think the world values. True riches are what God values. And, and, and in that process, God wants to entrust us with many, many wonderful things. Think about this for just a second. Parenting is an enormous trust position that people just treat as, oh, well, whatever, we're just parents. You go, what? I mean, come on. I mean, you know, parenting, but it's so easy to become a parent. It's so hard to be a parent, Mm -hmm. right? And I think that these are principles that are deep into the word of God. Verse twelve, and if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you your property of all, of your own? A lot of times you're loaned something, right? A lot of times you are given a loan and you buy a truck, right? And really, if you think about it, the bank owns it, right? And how you treat that truck, you might say, "Well, I own it." Well, well you know, if it really being pushed <laughs> out the bank, might own that, right? How you treat other people's things has a lot of impact on how you treat. Or whether you will ever get your own things, okay? Now, now I I I said all that. I want to I just, I want to give you one little verse, one of my favorite verses. Jeremiah, Jeremiah comes along, and Jer- Jeremiah chapter twelve has this one beautiful verse. And if you're an underliner, it might be a great one for you to go back. Jeremiah chapter twelve, verse five. If you have re- Jeremiah, it, God, uh, Jeremiah has scolded God he's complained to him first four verses. And there's a lot of complaint goes on before those first verses in 12, uh, chapters one through 11, but in chapter 12, God says, all right, wait a time, on. time. Think of the rich owner, the boss, the, the, you know, the person in that parable, the shrewdness, he says, he looks at Jeremiah, his prophet, and he says, if you have raced with men on foot and they have worn you out, how can you compete with horses? And, and I, I think this is a very, very valuable thing about shrewdness is shrewdness is how you win a race with an animal you have no absolute, no ability to run with. He's teaching a principle to Jeremiah that I think is this principle that Jesus taught here. Shrewdness allows us to outrun what we could normally run on our own. Shrewdness is filled with all kinds of the ability to decision-making the moment to think about the greater picture, to see that you're actually in the people business. You're not in the olive oil business to see that collecting half the debt is better than losing all the debt to see that you'll be commended for getting 80, 80% of the bushels rather than uh, 0% of the bushels. Right? I mean, 0% of zero is still zero, right? right. I mean, a hundred percent of zero is still zero. Right. But he figured out how to factor in those kinds of pieces. This is a beautiful thing. Now I, I, so, so Jesus took a principle everybody could understand. They looked at him and went, "Man, that guy was dishonest. He was dishonest, but in his shrewdness, he was commended. He still lost his job, but he got the owner some of his money in return." God looks at our lives and says the same thing: "You will not give me a perfect return. I will not get. God's not going to get nine hundred uh, uh, gallons of olive oil out of Harvey." But what he is expecting, that'd be perfection about my life. But what he is expecting is, is that in the way he poured his spirit into my life, he's expecting a physical return and a spiritual return for eternity. This is very important. And what guides that is verse 13. You've noticed with all the parables, there's always a capstone verse at the very end. Okay. And here's the capstone verse. No one can serve Jesus for coming back to uh, Luke 16. No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now that seems non sequitur, but I, but I, let me let's go to the parable for a minute. I think what he's saying here is that the servant actually wasn't serving the master; he was serving himself. That's why he took his eye off the ball. Mm. And Jesus comes back and says, just remember, you work for me. You work for the king. This is God's kingdom. We are all working. You guys, one of the great mistakes you make sitting down in the pews, you think that only Pastor Doug, Pastor Howard, Pastor Steve, Jesse, all the directors, leaders of the church, uh, they're the ones that work for God. And you don't. Uh, You do. When you go to work at Albertsons, you're working for God. The scripture says, do all you do as a work as though you are working unto the Lord. Mm. Everybody works for God. One of the great mistakes we make is we think, well, I'm just working for myself and I'm making my own retirement. and doing like that? No, no. He says, have a master and then go work for the rich owner or go work for whoever, but you're working for the Lord and everything you do helps you to keep your eye on the ball. And in that process, don't just be sheep, be shrewd. Mm. That's gonna be part of what we're gonna talk about this weekend. Don't just be sheep, be shrewd. Cause a lot of times we just go, well, we're just sheep and it's all God. No, God says, Hey, be shrewd, learn from the world.
1: Well, thank you, pastor awesome. R for sharing all of those yeah, insights with us. I'm excited to learn, uh, more about what you have in store for us on Sunday and, and diving deep into this Cause I think this parable I- at first glance is a little confusing. You're like, wait, we're being called to do what? Be and immoral. I, yeah, yeah. And I think you're, you're shedding light on that. And I think that's the way with all of these parables, the more I'm rereading Matthew and Luke right now in my Bible study and. I'm getting more out of these parables than I ever have before because we've been doing this deep in depth study before they were just like, okay, that's kind of a nice story. I get a, a, a very shallow understanding of it, but now we're getting deeper and deeper into it and I'm loving that. So excited to hear from you. Excited to hear from Pastor Doug on Thursday as we talk about it, uh, application wise in the modern day and, uh, make sure you join us for that. Thank you guys so much for joining us here on the Salty Pastor podcast and we'll see you on Thursday.